Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the channel. It is Denise Salcedo, and you are watching Speak Now Pro Wrestling here on YouTube, or you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever it is you get this podcast. It is Saturday, October 28th, and I am so freaking stoked, everyone, because this show today, AEW Collision, is honestly a one-match show. We all pretty much tuned in for one specific match, and that is MJF versus Kenny Omega. And I cannot wait to see uh, the star rating for this match because this one was a freaking uh, look. I had some pretty, I, I feel like a lot of us had some pretty high expectations for a match between MJF versus Kenny Omega. Because when you think of these two and you think of AEW and the history of AEW in these short years, MJF versus Kenny Omega is a dream match in AEW. And many of us, I know myself, was really, A, not expecting to see this match like right now during this time period, given that we've been, uh, you know, working towards MJF versus Jay White for full gear. And then on top of that, I wasn't expecting MJF versus Kenny Omega on a random, <laughs> on a random Saturday in October on AEW Collision. Like, if you would have told me that a while back, I don't think that I would have necessarily believed you. So right off the bat, uh, I'm going to get into this match. Before I do, I want to get into some super chats that we got here from the people. I want to get your thoughts, guys, because this is one where, um, because this is the main topic for today, I really want to know how you guys felt about this specific matchup here today. Let's get some super chats. Let's go. Uh, we got Steven here who says, we need an MJF Kenny Omega rematch on a bigger stage. This match deserved more than just a three-day build. Also, Gold Denise is the best ever. So I 1,000% agree with this. So I'm going to start off by saying this. So when they had the confrontation between MJF and Kenny Omega on AEW Dynamite last night, per, I mean on Wednesday, I was like, oh shit, part of me is super excited for this match, can't complain. But at the same time, this is a pay-per-view quality match, right? Like there are certain matches that you save, certain feuds, certain stories that you save for pay-per-views. And part of me, even though I was looking forward to watching this match, part of me was okay waiting for this match to appear or to occur on a pay-per-view. And the reason I also was thinking about like, damn, AEW really gave us MJF Kenny Omega on an AEW collision when we have been seeing AEW increase the amount of pay-per-views that they are doing per year. We went from like four pay-per-views to like, I lost count at this point how many pay-per-views we have gotten for AEW. So given their increase in pay-per-views that they do per year, I wasn't expecting them to give us away to give away uh, AEW Dream Match in MJF versus Kenny Omega on AEW Collision. So I feel like that was a pretty uh, bold, risk-taking move uh, from Tony Khan for putting this match on Collision. But damn, I can't complain because this match was incredible. And I do agree with Steven here. I want to see them run this back and put this match on a pay-per-view because this needs to be on a pay-per-view. We need to see this match again 
again. I don't know. Let's change up the stipulation. Do whatever it is that they need to do. Uh, but the point is, we need to run it back once again. Also, shout out to Sheldon, by the way. Sheldon, go to the YouTube community tab. I reached out to you there because uh, I've been trying to get a hold of you. I'm still waiting for your social media handle. So check the community tab. Uh, Sheldon Jackson just gifted 10 DWO memberships. So thank you so much, my dude. Thank you so much. Chris Ludek says, I love your costume. Also, big changes in my life. I may be moving to Newport Beach instead. P.S. Omega versus MJF, 5.5 stars on the Uncle Dave scale. I can't wait to see what Dave is going to rate this match. Uh, you guys know, obviously, I do a lot of work with F4W, the Wrestling Observer, uh, over on their YouTube channel with weekly news, uh, daily news videos at this point. Um so I always really look forward to seeing what Dave rates matches because uh, I look forward to that. That's something that I really enjoy to see uh, when it comes to star ratings. I know some people get like all crazy about it. I don't. If I see a match that I love, it's not going to change things for me. But I do love to see great matches get that very well-deserved star rating. And so I'm looking forward to that a whole lot. I mean, if I had a rating system uh, on a 1 to 10, I would definitely give this one for sure a 10 because it was a phenomenal match especially given that it was on collision grapple geekery sends in a super chat saying i think we may all owe tk 50 dollars for this pay-per-view level match and then some bro i was about to, i get the joke but like damn we're out here paying for like how many pay-per-views a year at this point i remember when we were uh talking about like going into all in and all out and how we were gonna have to shout out like a hundred bucks for pay-per-views like within the span of like two weeks or so and think about it because you're not only buying the pay-per-view, right? You pay your $50 to watch whatever show you're going to watch, right? Okay. It's not like you're just sitting there watching the show. You're going to want to order some pizza. You're going to want to buy some chips. You're going to want to get some junk food. Uh, so then the bill tallies up a little bit more. So next thing you know, you're spending close to 100 bucks every time you're watching a wrestling pay-per-view. Uh, so yeah, I feel like, uh, but yeah, I get it, man. At this point, we owe Tony Khan for this specific match because it was definitely worth it. Uh, and I'm curious. I'm curious. Uh, why? Tony decided to do this match on AEW Collision today. Like, I'm sure it's, you know, clearly we know ratings, that that's the thing. But in terms of feeling like putting it on there instead of doing it first on a pay-per-view, right? So I am curious about that. And maybe at some point, if I get the opportunity... I will ask Tony about that, maybe in a scrum or something. We'll see if I remember. Vasco says, that main event slapped. I want the rematch on a pay-per-view. You and me both, man. Doppelganger399 sends in a generous super chat saying, better than Danielson and Kenny on Dynamite. So that was a good one too. For this specific year, what really, really sticks out to me in terms of some of the work that Kenny Omega has done, immediately three names pop up into my head. And of course, you can add Danielson to that. So make sure to add Danielson to that. But on top of Danielson, I want to add three specific names. We already mentioned MJF. That's one. But the other two are uh, El Hijo del Vikingo. He had phenomenal a phenomenal match with him in AEW as well as in uh, AAA. So you got to see them go at it. And that was a dream match within itself. And I remember getting to ask Tony Khan about that match with one of the pressers because I really wanted to know, like, just in general, how he even felt booking that match and then seeing it all unfold in his ring, which I thought was crazy good. But the one that, of course, I have to mention, and this is the very best out of everything that Kenny has done 
whether it's Danielson, whether it's MJF, or whether it's Vikingo, or anybody else. The person, of course, that I'm talking about is Will Ospreay. They've wrestled, I think, what, now twice this year? And so both of those matches were absolutely phenomenal. So with that being said, uh, I still rank the work that he did will with Will Ospreay a lot higher but that's not to take away from this match whatsoever with MJF because that was absolutely phenomenal. And then, of course, you know, the the Kenny Omega uh, Will Ospreay matches happened on bigger stages. So it kind of hits and feels and signifies it, 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 it. The significance is a little bit higher when you are on these really big stages like that. Amir F says, great match, choo-choo. I'm never going to live it down, guys. I need to get like a, my slogan from now on is literally just going to be choo-choo. <laughs> Who would have freaking thought? Um, let's see what else we got here. Tim Weinerger Jr., who's a DWL member, says he's actually there at the show uh, and says that Kenny MJF was fired. Dude, my man, you got to watch some really good wrestling. I'm jealous of your eyeballs uh, that you got to watch that live. Chris Ludek says, People criticize WCW for hot-shotting hot shorting big matches without a proper build. Do you think that will be the case with MJF and Kenny Omega? Look, when it comes to the world of social media, when it comes to the world of Twitter, I have learned that everybody is going to complain about anything. It doesn't matter. Uh, I think that, yeah, there are going to be people that are going to be seeing the tweets rolling in of people being like, oh my God, MJF versus Kenny Omega was so awesome. And you just know that in the comments section, there's going to be a person going, well, they didn't even have a bill. They didn't even do nothing with it. And while I agree, I do want to see more with MJF and Kenny Omega in terms of a storyline. That's what we're just literally talking about it being on a pay-per-view. But look, It was done. They delivered. I ain't gonna complain. I ain't gonna complain. Steven Marchulli says Omega versus MJF A+. You'll never forget the name Gold Salcedo. I was gonna wear the costume, by the way, to this show. But uh, first of all, I'm gonna say one thing. I'm sure, because keep in mind, I got everything off of Amazon. And then the actual design on the Gold Dust suit was done by my husband because he's more of the DIY kind of person. I I'm terrible at that stuff. Um, but so I was going to wear the costume on here, but I will tell you what prevented me from that. And of course, like I said, I'm sure my bodysuit was different than the one that Gold Dust wore. But hot damn, guys, I was effing melting in that bodysuit. I was dying. And then on top of that, it made the makeup melt. So by the time I literally sat down in my costume to share my little tweets and my little photos, I looked up and I went on my stream yard to test to see what I would look like. And everything was melting off. And keep in mind, I have the air conditioner on and everything was melting off of my face. So I did, I couldn't wear the costume on the actual, uh, you know, stream and whatnot. I was like, oh, hell no, I would probably die because I sweat bullets doing these shows so (laughs) what's not gonna happen but you can check out the costume it's on twitter it's on instagram it's on facebook and i still have either two or three more costumes coming so maybe expect something on the raw post show uh maybe expect something on for sure expect something on the tuesday post show for nxt because that's the actual halloween date and then november 1st when i do my post show for aw dynamite with reg i will also be wearing another costume for that too because well It's the day after, but who cares?
Abraham Biela says, are you going to full gear? What do you want to ask at the scrum? So when it comes to scrums, guys, first of all, I am going to full gear because that's going to be here at the forum. And the forum is literally 20 minutes away from my house. I live very close to SoFi and the forum and, you know, that area. So I do not live far from that. So, of course, I will be there. And in terms of what do I want to ask for the scrum, I don't have anything specific yet. I base all of my questions based on what actually happened uh, on the show. So I don't come up with my questions until I'm actually there uh, when I'm watching the show. And depending on what happens, that is what I go and ask. Because one thing I hate is when people ask questions that are like, don't make sense to ask at this time and point like the, hey, when is AEW coming to this town? When is AEW coming out? I'm like, bro, save it, will you? We're all here super late. Save those questions. So, and also my other rules for scrums is I only ask questions if I really have a question. If I don't, then I won't ask anything because then it's like, I don't want to ask anything just for the sake of having to ask something. I think it just wastes everybody's time. So I don't like to do that. So anyways, I wait and see until the day of. Magnum Wade says, I honestly wasn't expecting a clean finish. I expected a draw. Nevertheless, I am more than happy with what we got. MJF looked so happy at the end, too. And of course, we're going to break down more of the match in just a second. But one of the things that we did see in particular in the body of this match was that MJF tried a bunch of things that were kind of new. Like, we literally saw him freaking go over the top rope. And at one point, like, I was freaking scared when he did that. Because I'm like, oh my god, he hasn't gotten enough. He's not, he's nowhere near Kenny, but Kenny went right in there and caught him. Uh, but I, I I started to feel a little nervous there, but damn, did he do it there. Uh, and so, yeah, we were kind of seeing some new stuff from MJF during this match. And I appreciated that a whole lot because I feel like when you are, again, in a match with somebody like Kenny Omega, you might want to you know, maybe do something a little bit different, right? Try something a little different, get people going, holy shit, right? And I think that's exactly what they did there. Taylor Cannon says, hey, Denise, how are you doing today? Omega versus MJF should have definitely been a pay-per-view main event. Yeah, and hopefully they do run it back, by the way. But in regards to how I'm doing today, I'm doing pretty good. Woke up very early, did bust it open, fell asleep on my couch immediately afterwards, and then woke up, uh, cooked my very first, Oh my gosh, I probably shouldn't say this on the air. It's so embarrassing, but I already started to say it. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I cooked my very first dinner today. And I know some of you are going, did I hear that right? Yes, you did, guys. I cooked my very first dinner today. I don't cook. I'm a terrible cook because I never learned how to cook because I just wasn't interested in that stuff. And so today I cooked one of my very first meals and it came out fantastic. Uh, and... I'm very proud. I'm very proud. And please do not laugh at me or laugh, but I boiled my first egg today. I want to thank YouTube Shorts because that is what taught me how to boil an egg. I Googled how to boil an egg and a million shorts came up and I watched one that had like 50 million views. And thanks to that video, I learned how to boil an egg, but I'm very proud of the dinner that I made. All right. Michael says this match was probably uh, a counter to the World Series. Uh, thank you so much to Michael. I don't know. I don't really follow um, 
as much baseball and I'm definitely not following right now because when I do follow it's to support the Oakland uh the Oakland A's and the Oakland A's uh, is not going so great for them right now so like I haven't really been all that interested um Ravon F2 says imagine wanting to pay for a banger of a match that you just saw for free wrestling is awesome <laughs> I get it. I get it, though. I get it. Look, we want to pay for it because it's a pay-per-view. We love pay-per-views. And I feel like wrestling fans, like, we honor pay-per-views, right? Like, we honor uh, tradition, I feel. I feel like we're very traditional in a lot of ways when it comes to being a pro wrestling fan. And so for that reason, I think that's why we want to pay for it. And we want to watch it on a pay-per-view. And we're all here sitting here like, we got this match for free and we're all here saying we should have had this match on a pay-per-view. So it is kind of funny when you think about it that way. Uh, but thank you so much to uh, Ravon uh, for sending in that super chat here. <laughs> uh, thank you so much to everybody here congratulating me on boiling an egg. I'm pretty proud. What's up? What's up? All right, guys. So I want to talk about MJF Kenny in terms of what we saw in the body of this freaking match because I had mentioned that MJF tried a lot of new stuff and there were some spots in this whole thing that had me going holy damn so I'm not gonna run through every single move that was done because that's crazy but I will highlight some of the big moments that we got here so in the beginning at the very beginning of this match we saw MJF and Kenny kind of go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, right? So they're like, you know, really kind of speeding up the start of the match, really kind of testing the waters, right? Seeing what the other person is going to bring, filling each other out. And MJF kind of looked the better in this because, unfortunately, Kenny had a very, very, and I mean very slight slip and it was enough for commentary to make the mention it was enough for the viewer uh to notice so it was kind of crazy like because he pretty much saved it like he didn't actually fall or anything like that but you could see the little bit of the slip and with that it kind of all of a sudden gave mjf a little bit of you know what hmm MJF is out here, you know, looking stronger than Kenny Omega, at least in this opening portion, in this opening bit of this match. And so that kind of caught, uh, I don't know if it caught a couple of you guys, but surprise, but it caught me by surprise because it's not often yet you see that um, from Kenny Omega. So in a way, it kind of shifted the feel of the match, like right off of the bat with that. But anyways, we continue on from here. And this is some good stuff that we got. MJF extends his hand to Kenny Omega. He wants to do a whole sportsmanship thing where they shake hands. But instead, MJF, when Kenny goes right in to shake his hand, MJF, bam, uh, gets him in the eyes, right? We see a tope from Kenny. At one point, like I mentioned, we see MJF go over the top rope, barely makes it, but, MJ, uh, but Kenny Omega catches him. There was a spot in the ring that I thought looked cool because it looked painful and messy, but in a good way. So I think Kenny was going for like a hurricanrana or something, whatever. MJF stopped him. And when he stopped him, he powerbombed Kenny Omega into his own knee. So it didn't look super crisp, but that's what I liked because 
because MJF found a way to stop Kenny's momentum and use his own body to inflict further damage on Kenny Omega. So instead of power bombing him on a steel step or on a chair or something like that, he used his own knee to basically add some additional pain when Kenny Omega landed on it. So that was something that I kind of found uh, a little bit unique that, in, that I uh, personally enjoyed. On top of this, of course, anytime Kenny Omega does his snapdragon suplexes, those are always really fantastic. MJF does his kangaroo kick. Kenny Omega brings out a table. And um, fast forward, we see two spots that personally had me going like, I'm screaming here, screaming. So the first one was the snapdragon suplex on the ring apron. Kenny Omega executing that on MJF on the ring apron. Uh, it looked sick. The other one was I had mentioned that Kenny Omega brought out a table. Well, MJF was put through that table via a powerbomb by Kenny Omega. And when I tell you that it looked freaking sick, if you did not watch that match, you're going to have a reaction uh, during that part because me telling you it does not sell enough uh, how how entertaining it was to see that. Unfortunately, you know, uh, entertaining for us, unfortunate for MJF. We see them exchange chops, knees from Kenny Omega, rolling elbows from MJF, another knee from Kenny Omega. Then we see... You get a poison Rana. You get a poison Rana. Both guys getting each other with poison Ranas. After this, there was a standing ovation in the middle of this match. And I freaking was thinking, I was thinking at this point that we were almost kind of nearing the end of this match. And I wasn't expecting for it to go even further than that. Because this is my favorite thing. My favorite thing is when you see matches just like, build up so much there's so many times where we get matches that never even hit their peak right and you're like oh this match if it would have had five more minutes it would have been so much better right all of that that happens sometimes that did not happen here man like we hit the peak of this match and then all of a sudden it's like they kept going i don't know how but they kept going and there was um another snapdragon suplex from kenny omega uh mjf kicks out again multiple v triggers from kenny at one point Kenny goes for the one-winged angel, but Don Callis comes out, and I'm thinking, oh, here it is. This is exactly how Kenny is going to lose, and I thought, you know what, Denise, appreciate the match for what it was because you're not going to like the finish. That's what I was thinking when Don Callis came out, but instead, so he comes out, he kind of distracts uh, Kenny Omega, and they tease. They tease MJF, rolls him up, and you think, oh, it's over right here. Like, this is it. But instead, it's a two count. And then when I tell you, when I tell you, you're not going to believe me if you didn't watch this match. Please watch this match or else you're not going to believe me. When I tell you that I thought MJF's head was about to come off of his body because Kenny Omega after this hit the most killer V trigger that I have seen in a very, very long time. Man looked like he was about to behead MJF with that V trigger. I could not believe it. Uh, we see multiple forward rows from here. Uh, Panama Sunrise uh, from uh, Kenny. And then finally, we uh, fast forward to the actual ending. There was a couple of near falls in there. MJF hits the heat seeker on uh, Kenny Omega after all of this stuff. And finally, gets the victory here so when i tell you that 
There was a lot in this. There was a lot. My recap did not do it justice. Please go watch this match if you missed out on it. And even afterwards, once MJF gets the win, they have this really great moment where, uh, one, they show all of the guys that were watching this match. And if you guys listened to the AEW Dynamite post show on Wednesday with myself and Reg, they showed all of the guys that you were pretty much expecting. Your Samoa Joe, uh, since we saw Samoa Joe confront Kenny, uh, confront MJF at the start of this match, basically telling him, if you need some help, I will be there because Samoa Joe wants a shot at the title. So we saw your Samoa Joe. We saw Will Hobbs even. I wasn't expecting them to show Will Hobbs. Uh, they show Wardlow. Of course, Jay White. And I love that because the AEW World Championship picture, to me, right now is the ideal championship picture. What you want is a hot champion that is killing it and a bunch of other guys who want their hands on that belt because that belt is the prize, is the top prize to win. And I like that there are options. You think of the guys that are coming after MJF and you already can see, uh, you know, the potential for what can be done there. Of course, we're about to see that match at full gear with Jay White. I uh, can't wait to see that for reals. But uh, right now, the AEW World Championship picture is looking really, really damn healthy. And finally, this was closed out with MJF and Kenny Omega shaking hands and going even further than that and giving each other a hug. Uh, I liked that because it's kind of rare that you see two guys uh, go out there, have a phenomenal match, and not just shake hands, but also hug it out. So I thought that was uh, a really, really... Uh, you know, extra touch on what we saw play out here. So this was definitely not one to miss. All right, we got a couple more Super Chats in here that I want to make sure that I go ahead and pull up. By the way, thank you so much to everybody who's here, who's supporting. Uh, without you guys, I cannot do this podcast. Uh, you guys know I'm completely self-funded, so thank you very much. Let's get to this. Here we go. This one is from Delayed Gratz, who says, MJF versus Kenny Omega happened tonight to keep us watching, and it worked. What was the MJF skull um, F uh, show of dominance? Uh, so, sorry, MJF skull. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, dude, I don't, again, I don't have like a specific reason besides ratings and having to compete against sports and all of that stuff for the reason that they did this match. Like I want to specifically know if and when we're going to circle back and why they decided to go to it now. Like, what does that mean for the future? Are are we, are we, uh, like, are they trying to tell us something here? Like, are we not going to see MJF Kenny Omega in the near future? Like, what are we doing here? Like, why did we get this match today? I don't know. I'm kind of reading into it just a tad bit more there. John Deller says, who do you feel will be MJF's partner going against Bullet Club? I can tell you who I don't want it to be. Uh, or rather, <laughs> rather, uh, so actually, no, I'm lying. You know what? I'm lying. Who I do want it to be is Max Caster. And I know everyone's going like, really, Max Caster? I don't care. I want it to be Max Caster because even though I don't get the weirdo uh, story that they're doing with him, with him being socially awkward, uh, and as a socially awkward person myself, uh, I should technically be like representing, connecting with Max Caster on this one. And it's kind of starting to get to me in a way that's kind of lovable. Uh, and so I almost want to see what that would look like, you know? Because clearly Max Caster seems to have some sort of infatuation with MJF. And now I kind of want to see it, you know, come full circle. But who knows? Uh, who else? Who else? Who else? Uh, I don't know if it'll be Samoa Joe. Uh, who else can it be? 
if anybody has some really good ones that I haven't thought of, because I always kind of forget, um, please send in some good ones. MVF, most valuable fighter. Hey, dude, I haven't seen you here in a while. Thank you so much for hopping on. MVF says, my theory for World's End is MJF retains. Um, oh, do you mean for full gear? So I'm guessing your theory for full gear is that MJF retains this baby run and baby face run ends and he runs through um, the ally crowd. Uh, ally crowd, I'm thinking, okay. I think he's champion for a year and a half thoughts. So I'll be real with you guys. I, oh, someone mentioned oh, Kenny Omega possibly being his partner. Imagine, imagine that would be kind of crazy. Uh, seeing Kenny Omega partner with him. I mean, given that they shook hands and hugged today, that could possibly be, uh, uh, maybe don't rule it out. Okay, so originally going into full gear, I was definitely rooting for Jay White. Like that was the person that I thought was going to win. That was my pick for the longest time. However, I will tell you this, when they announced World's End in Long Island, New York, I'm like, you can't have that show and not have MJF there as champion. Like, I cannot see it happening without MJF being champion there. So personally, for me, I think that MJF is definitely retaining at full gear, going in as champion uh, to World's End. And I don't know how long they'll keep the title on him. But you know what? I can feel you on them doing something longer with him because if it's, if it's not somebody, cause look, I don't see Samoa Joe taking the title. Um, Ooh, you know what? I'm like maybe 95%, five, 95. If, if we do MJF versus Samoa Joe, I can see MJF retaining the belt like 95%. There's that 5% of me that can see it going to Samoa Joe with Wardlow. I don't see Wardlow winning. Uh, if they do MJF Wardlow, I don't see Wardlow winning. And then if they do, uh, and then we already said MJF JY, I'm expecting MJF. So I think like right now, all of the guys that are coming up after MJF, the person that I most thought would have taken the title off of him if it wasn't like a Kenny Omega or and then I thought Jay White. But now because of the pay-per-view announcement, it made me think that that's not going to happen. So for that reason, I don't know. And so for that reason, I can see them doing a long reign. Now, keep in mind that we are only two, what, two months now at this point, because it's towards the end of October already. We are about two months away from what year? 2024. Now, what has MJF been talking about for like the longest freaking time is um, the bidding war of 2024. And so what would that look like with MJF as champion? And then all of a sudden, we're like, hey, bro, Bitty War 2024, and you're the AEW world champion. I think it would probably make things a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit spicier in terms of like what they decide to do there. So I can see uh, him going and being champion for a lot longer than we probably might have anticipated. I know at least because I really did think that Jay White was probably going to win at full gear. And who knows? He probably still can. He probably still can. But as of right now, I'm leaning more towards MJF at the moment. So uh, that's where we are with that. Holy damn, guys. We did about 30 minutes just talking about Kenny Omega and MJF. So we're going to go ahead and continue and talk about a couple more items that went down on Collision. But pretty much the, the big thing out of this show was this match. So everything else is kind of just, you know, it's a bonus. But this was really the thing to talk about. But before I get into the rest of A, 
AEW Collision. I really want to remind you guys, if you haven't already, if you've enjoyed my podcast, whether you watch the videos or listen to an audio, head on over to Apple Podcasts and please leave a review. I'm still at 64 reviews. I'm trying to get to 100 by the end of the year. I only have two months. So please, if you watch this one, or any of my other ones, please go leave a review. It really helped me out a whole lot. I do read them here. So whenever one comes in, I pull them up here on the screen and make sure to, uh, you know, shout out the person that actually gave the review. So please, uh, the link is in the description box below. It's Instinct Culture by Denise Salcedo. Uh, help a girl get over to that 100, uh, 100 uh, review mark. But now, Let's press on um, for the rest of everything else that went down on Collision. So the next thing that I want to get into was another good match. And this was probably the second best match of the night. And this was my fave, my man, my boy. Well, not really, but you know what I'm saying. I'm a big fan, man, of none other than Ricky Starks. And Ricky Starks is the shit. I've been a big fan of him for a long time now. He had a one-on-one -on -one match against Dax Harwood. And this one was another really good match. This uh, it, It's not going to compare, of course, to what we saw in the main event. But regardless, this was still a really good match. Uh, really just each other, taking each other down. Kind of a similar start to uh, MJF Kenny, where they were kind of feeling each other out, that sort of thing. Uh, but Ricky Starks and Dax Harwood felt like on an even playing field here. We see Ricky Starks superplex Dax Harwood before uh, a commercial break. And this was really fun. But at one point, we even see Dax roll up Ricky Starks and pull the tights. I was like, okay, Dax really trying to get this victory here. Uh, but Starks eventually gets the big win. But what we need to talk about is what happened afterwards. So this entire time that we were watching this match unfold, the House of Black was watching um, from, um, you know, from ringside or whatever, wherever they were standing at, they were watching on this match. But afterwards, we end up seeing the lights go out. And we finally have the return of everybody's favorite, Julia Hart. Julia Hart's back. She'd been gone since Wrestle Dream. So she just came out there, did a little gesture, captivated all of us. And we were like, woo, Julia Hart. And then we saw who we haven't seen like physically in a while. We've been seeing vignettes for these people, but we haven't been seeing them physically there is uh, La Facción Ingobernable. We saw Rush. And his guys come out there and they end up going at it with the House of Black. And at the end, we kind of see a little bit of an alliance between uh, uh, La Facción and FTR. And we end up seeing Big Bill and Ricky Starks basically just run off here. So I thought what they did was good here. They're setting up more stuff. I'm like, so, so into uh, La Facción and House of Black because... Last week was like the House of Black show. They were involved in so many different segments and it was pretty much a, a whole show to let you know that the House of Black was back. And we had also seen a really good vignette last week where um, Rush was talking about how he's tired of not being at the shows because he's considered too dangerous. So now you've got these, you know, pretty interesting groups colliding here. So... Good stuff for this one. Good stuff right here. Um, all right. We got another super chat here. This one's from Wildebeest. Wildebeest, what's up, man? Welcome back to the show. Wildebeest says, do you think MJF's tag team partners end up being three mystery partners all wearing the devil mask? MJF is ready to go one versus four, but three masked devils come help. I don't know. 
I don't know, honestly, because at some point we need to get answers, right, as to who really is under that devil mask. I know everybody pretty much at this point uh, expects it to be MJ. I'm sorry, uh, Wardlow. That's like the option that I think most people are going with, but they need to they need to get to it now because at this point it's starting to feel like. I don't know. It's, it almost feels like that was like the thing that everybody was talking about when it happened. And as we move on, we have pretty much not really seen all that much from it. We did see the mass devil guy, I think at one point, like flash his face or something. I don't remember anymore. But the point is that they've kind of not really circled back to that fast enough. It feels will the beast. Thank you so much for the super chat, man. I appreciate that a whole lot. All right. So and yeah, and everybody's still saying that it's pretty much Wardlow. And that's where I'm at with all of that. Um, all right. So let's get into a match that I really want to talk about. So I'm going to fast forward to this one because it was a really fun match, man. And I really like the name too. Fight Night Fright. That's a good one. That's a really good name right there. Fright Night Fight. Takes me a second though, because I, I almost want to say Fight Night Fright but it's Fright Night Fight. So I have to look at it every time I say it. But anyways, uh, we saw the return of Abaddon and she took on your AEW Women's World Champion, Hikaru Shida. Now, anybody trashes this match, I'm going to wag my finger at you very angrily because this match was a fun Halloween match. That's what it was, guys. It was just there to, uh, you know, be in theme with the holidays. But what I liked was that it was good. Like, this wasn't trash. This wasn't hokey shit. This was fun-themed. It was. This was a fun-themed wrestling match. I enjoyed it for what it was because there were some really cool things. So we see, I don't know what Abaddon was using. She might have been using some sort of um, bone or something. And then Hikaru Shida was using, like, a tombstone, and they were fighting each other with it. That that was kind of fun. But there was a spot that Hikaru Shida did that I was like, yes, girl. Yes, she gets to the top rope and she <laughs> doesn't sound really bad, but she puts a broom between her legs, right? Like a witch. And she ends up jumping off of it to smack Hikarish, uh, to smack Abaddon with it. And I had never seen anything like that before that I can recall. And it reminded me of Hocus Pocus. Now, I don't know how many of you guys know this, but I'm a huge Hocus Pocus fan. Like, I love that movie. Watch it a million times. Know it by heart. Uh, love the movie. And do you guys remember the scene where their witch's brooms get stolen? And so they have to use all of these other, uh, you know, uh, we see Sarah using a mop and we see Mary using a vacuum. <laughs> and of course, Winnie, she's got her broom, but then they all fly off into the sky. <laughs> When he Karashita had the broom and she jumped off, it reminded me of the scene where they all come out the little cottage and they go like this and they all fly off into the sky. Uh, that is exactly what this reminded me of. So for that reason, it got like extra brownie points uh, for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, it would have been even funnier if she had used a vacuum. That would have been too on the nose, though. Uh, but anyways, there was a spot too. Shout out to Sheeta on that one, though, because that was clever. But there was another spot where they dump out candy, and I marked for this, and I will tell you why. Because my favorite candy was in there. Uh, I saw them. I saw them, and this is how this is how terrible I am. Part of me felt like reaching in and like taking it and eating it. They had trolleys. If we have fans here that are trolley fans, let me know in the chat. 
If you are a trolley fan, you know the trolleys, the gummy worms, please let me know because those are my favorite candy ever. Like ever like i will fight somebody for a bag of trolleys uh <laughs> i will fight a baby for a bag of trolleys don't take that too seriously anyways <laughs> so i saw that they had trolleys in there see we got people out here uh pulling up trolleys bro love them anyway so they had this spot with the candy that was pretty fun and there was a cool ending too because we see Abaddon with a pumpkin and Sheeta with a kendo stick. And they're kind of like both using it as a weapon. But Sheeta wins with the kendo stick, smacks Abaddon like right between the eyes with the kendo stick. And then afterwards, she gets her with a knee to the face. Abaddon kicks out. I wasn't expecting Abaddon to kick out from that. So then finally, Hikaru Sheeta ends up getting a pumpkin, putting over the face putting it over the head of Abaddon and then hits her with the katana and gets the win here. Good shit, man. I had so much fun with this match. And then Tony Storm comes out. As we know, Tony Storm is going to be uh, going up against Hikaru Shida at full gear. Uh, and dude, this was a good time. I love stuff like that. Honestly, really, really love stuff like that. And um, Zena Hour says Abaddon was dressed as Spawn. Who is Spawn? I thought she was Beetlejuice. Wait, so Abaddon wasn't Beetlejuice? I thought she was Beetlejuice, but who the hell knows? Uh, Tater72 says Denise gets her dollies on trolleys. Bro, if you get trolleys, the next time you get them, put them in the freezer. You got to eat them cold. And, ooh, your mouth will be like in mouth heaven. <laughs> MVF sends in a super chat saying, whose house would you go to for dinner? Tony Storm and Juice, Adam Cole and Britt Baker, Renee or Mox or Brian and Bree? Okay, definitely take out Adam Cole and Brett Breaker. I would say that those would probably be the least ones I'd be interested. Uh, Tony Storm and Juice Robinson might be a little bit too much for me. Like, I would feel incredibly boring at their dinner table. I feel like I would have to be very energetic the entire time. And when I eat, I just want to sit down. Now, this is where I'm stuck. Now, Renee, she's the one with the cookbook. She knows how to cook. I've done a couple of her recipes. Good stuff. But Brian and Bree are very, Brian's very interesting in the things that he says. So I know the conversation would be really good and they're super rich. Cause I mean, they're all, they all are, all these people are, but I've seen their stuff like on total divas and those type of shows. So for that reason, and I also know that they live like a, um, earthy life. I don't know if that's the right word earthy. And I would be curious. I think the food would be better with Mox and Renee because of Renee's cooking. But I'm curious about the conversation that Brian Danielson would have at the dinner table. So I'm going with Brian and Brie, but Mox and Renee follow up closely. Anyways, MVF, really good question. Really got me thinking. Uh, really, really got me thinking about uh, whose house I would go to dinner for. Um, all right. So apparently, no, I don't know Spawn. Everyone's asked. Everyone's shaming me. Oh, it's a comic book character, says Matt Kensley. I ain't going to know that, guys. I ain't going to know that. Like, the only comic book characters I know are, like, Archie comics. And then the, the, the guys from Marvel and Guardians of the Galaxy. And don't quiz me on this, because now I feel pressure. <laughs> I don't do comic books. Don't. I just, I just don't. 
All right. Uh, moving on from here, let's get into a couple of other items that we got to. Only a couple more stuff to get into, really. And the other one was Samoa Joe has a quick uh, match against Red Titus. This was his collision debut. Samoa Joe wins via submission. Um, not much else to add there. We talked more about Samoa Joe and, and his involvement with MJF and um, him being in the title picture. We got a really good opening match, though, between Jay White and AR Fox. That was good stuff. It was a fine match. Good win for uh, for Jay White. MJF tried taking his belt back was unsuccessful in doing that we got a super quick victory for the guns uh the boys versus the guns i thought this was funny because technically remember when we were calling the, the guns uh ass boys so it was the boys versus the ass boys i thought that was kind of funny but whatever uh that's neither here nor there super quick victory for the guns nothing much else to say ryan nemeth gets his ass whooped by Miro because he tries to get himself signed on as a client for CJ Perry. He goes to her locker room after being interviewed, walks in, Miro opens the door and then closes the door behind it. And all you hear is Ryan Nemeth getting his ass kicked. So there wasn't anything else to really say about that. And uh, we got a quick promo video from Claudio who's going to be facing Orange Cassidy on AEW Dynamite on Wednesday. And that is it, ladies and gents. That was your October 28th edition of AEW Collision. We got it all down from here. And <laughs> that's I love how everybody's now teaching me stuff about uh about comic books. Guys, I don't know what to tell you guys. I don't know anything about comic books. Uh, either way, that was the show. I appreciate you guys all very much. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, next week, I will be back for a full slate of shows. we got a very busy week next week. Tuesday, I will be back for week two of NXT Halloween Havoc. On Wednesday, I will be joined by my good friend Righteous Reg to do uh, AW Dynamite. And then on Friday, I will be here for SmackDown. And then Saturday, I will be doing a late post show covering Crown Jewel with Alex Queen of the Ring. And that's going to be taking place, I think, at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So it's going to be way later than the Crown Jewel pay-per-view. It'll be a nighttime post show discussing Crown Jewel. So uh, a lot of upcoming shows to get excited about. And then again, before I leave, guys, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave leave your girl a review. If you enjoyed this podcast, the link is in the description box below or just search up my podcast, uh, Instinct Culture by Denise Salcedo over on Apple Podcasts. And of course, keep an eye out on my social medias for the uh, Halloween costumes. I just posted the Gold Dust one. Uh, it's doing really good. So go check that one out. It was a lot, a lot of fun. I still kind of have gold in my hair a little bit because I have to take a shower. So uh, that's it for today. Thank you, everybody. Have a very phenomenal weekend. Bye, everyone.